Welcome to the Catholic Duluth Show. The Catholic Duluth Show is a parish community podcast serving the parishes of St. Lawrence and Holy Family in Duluth, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Daniel Rhoda, and with me I have Father Eli Gieske. How are you doing today, Father? Good. Good to be back. Good. Uh, it is uh, It is the end of October. We're yeah. getting closer to not only November, but it's election season. That's right. And it's getting cold outside. And, That's right. You know... We just need some positives in our life. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's true. Uh, it's interesting. We have different weather patterns here in Duluth. Down at Holy Family, it's still fall. Up here at St. Lawrence, we are in winter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It just yeah, it, it looks very different. Uh, it's funny coming up the hill, and there's still s- snow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it's just you know, it's that time of the year. Yeah. Um, we got some big feast days coming up. We got some some big feast days coming up. Yeah, we have uh, All Saints Day. All Saints this coming weekend, mm-hmm. and uh, we've we also recently had some some big feast days. Like we just had JP twos. Was that last week? Last Thursday. Yeah. Um, I feel like th- this is one of those times in the year where there's a lot of like big hitters. Yeah. Kinda back to back. That's right. So it's yeah. a yeah, it's a it's an exciting time. Mm-hmm. We also have All Souls the next day, so it's kind of Almost a double double header, you might say, because All Saints is on the first and All Souls is on the second. So, one we pray for all the souls in heaven, all those who uh, we ask their prayers and we celebrate their 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 lives, their, yeah, their holiness. And then the next day we pray for the souls who are on their way to heaven but are not there yet, but who have passed, so they're in purgatory. Yeah, yeah, yeah which is a nice little uh, reminder. D- yeah, 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 and. I I think I mean that would be something a, a good topic for a podcast at some point you know talking about just purgatory and like praying for the souls there yeah and what that's like yeah because when, that's, when I get there I want intriguing. I want people to pray for me yeah. so we shouldn't forget about them <laughs> yeah absolutely uh, but we will not be talking about that we today. will not we will not no. uh, we're going to be talking about we're going to be talking about saints you know All Saints Day is coming up and. Uh, but we're, we're going to be talking about a specific saint, Saint Benedict. Uh-huh. Saint Benedict. Uh, and there is uh, a couple reasons because of that, um, and we will get into that in a little bit. But first, before we do that, Father, would you open us in a prayer? Sure. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, we give you thanks for the opportunity to be here today. Uh, we thank you for all those who have gone before us, who have been witnesses to love of you, love of your church, love of the people in their lives. We give thanks for the witness of the saints, and we ask their intercession and their prayers uh, for our sanctification, our holiness, and also just ask that we would be open to whatever and however you want to work in us and through us during these special days of uh, all saints, all souls, and um, of course our, our nation as well as we enter into the election this coming week. So we pray for all these things. Asking our mother to intercede for us. Hail Mary, full, full of grace, grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. So we have some current events current coming events. up. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to see what, what what order we're going in here. So, well, starting off, I guess we, we were talked about all, all saints and all souls, but... 
we have uh, two masses for All Souls Day, mm-hmm. right? So that is, uh, and that's Tuesday then? Uh, Monday. Monday. Yeah. Okay, that's Monday. And so we have uh, two masses we have in 8 a.m. at Holy Family. Yeah. And then a 7 p.m. at St. Lawrence. Yeah, two options. Yeah, and so that would be, uh, and I'm trying to think back. Normally, isn't there like some sort of like special... Um, part of those masses of like like is it wasn't there like like isn't there like a candle thing you could, or it, you, you th- could light a candle you, for you like can? your okay. deceased ones and um oftentimes these masses on all souls are offered for the souls of uh you know the faithful departed and, and praying for their uh, purification and entering to heaven so we it's a good thing especially if somebody's died in the past year to pray for them um and to come and offer prayers on their behalf, uh, especially on this feast day. This makes sense. So, um, but yeah, it's a good day to light candles. It's a good day to visit the cemetery. It's a good day to um, pray for those who have gone before us. And um, if you're all about being uh, sort of gray and sad, it, it might fit with your demeanor that day. But it's it's not necessarily a sad day. It's just a day where we get excited for the fact that um, these souls are on their way and uh, we we pray that pray and hope that we have that same destiny of proceeding on our way to eternal life so yeah and I feel like we don't normally think about eternity and kind of the end of life mm-hmm. and like what is that gonna mean yeah right. <laughs> like for me uh, so it's probably a good day to con- like contemplate that a little bit deeper yeah definitely too. Um, well, I was going to go in order, but then I already went out of order. So, uh, But on Sunday, there is a holy hour for peace and unity. Yes. Right? So we're doing that at 630 uh, at St. Lawrence. Yeah. So uh, we'll have adoration. Adoration. Uh, it's just, just an adoration hour. Anything? Yeah. Uh, we're going to pray the rosary. Um, I think there's going to be a litany of the saints or something. But, yeah, it'll be simply praying for our nation uh, on the Feast of All Saints, praying for our nation for unity and peace, especially as we approach the election, just asking God to to be with us in a special way during those days. So Yeah. And then along with that, we're currently doing a novena for peace and unity. Right. Yeah. We're doing that on uh, on the Facebook page. Um, the uh, Wings, the, the women's group um, with our parishes, are, uh, so they're, they've been doing the rosary on the Facebook page Monday through Thursday, and they're, um, they're doing the novena with that, and I think they're doing it every day. I think, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, they're they're doing that. So if you'd like to be a part of that for that novena, I th- believe it started Monday. Monday, mm-hmm. um, and we're recording this on Wednesday, so a couple of days into it. Um, but even if you want to do it um, on your own, uh, it's very simple. Just um, there's an intention, and then a couple different prayers. Yeah, or you can find it online. Yeah, and then I think oh, two more things. One, it's daylight savings time this Ooh. upcoming Sunday. So. Yeah. Um, uh, you should see what that means for you. We we were trying to figure it out, and <laughs> I think I think we got it figured out, yeah. but we're not confident on it. Yeah, so, so if fall back means it's an hour earlier, so it'll be darker um, earlier, earlier, and so forth. But yeah, so make sure you come to mass at the right time if you're coming to mass or whatever you're doing on Sunday. That I think the time actually changes. Is it like 1 a.m. on Sunday? Is that when it changes? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But so that is uh, that is happening. And then uh, the last thing is uh, the intro to Catholicism series. Uh-huh. Uh, 
last night was the second one. Second one, yeah. Which we were going to record, but we forgot to record. So that won't be on uh, where the podcast is, but the other ones will. So sorry about that. And um, But if you would like to attend them uh, in person, uh, they're going to be every Tuesday, except for next Tuesday, uh, election day. We're not going to, it's, we're not going to have it. Um, so they just be, be pushed back. So the third one will be the 10th of November. That's and those right. are at Holy Family at six or six thirty. Six thirty. Six thirty at Holy Family. Yeah. Tuesdays. Yeah. We've been getting a good crowd. So it's good. Yeah. That's great. And it's Father Eli and Father Rich mm-hmm. kind of tag teaming it. So yeah. it's a good time. Great times. Um, well, we're going to get into today's topic which is saint benedict and uh saint benedict is uh he is i would say one of the 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 big hitters of the saints i mean every i guess every saint that has you know the capital st period next to their name is a big hitter (laughs) but uh but i think saint benedict particularly has uh he played a huge role in just in the history of the church and I'd say, uh, like, I mean, he's considered the, you know, the father of Western monasticism. So he created or at least put into place the rule that a lot of uh, current monasteries, you know, religious orders uh, follow. And maybe, I guess I'm not sure about if, like, diocesan priests are have been affected much by his implementations. But yeah, I would say the whole church has been affected in, in some degree or another. Um so Benedict lived in the I want to say the fourth century. Yeah, I so, have it. So he yeah he was born in Nursia, Italy, in four hundred four eighty. Okay, so four, four, fifth and and fifth and sixth century then. So yeah, Norcia is that is that it? Nursia is how I guess okay. I would. That's say how you say it. it. Okay, I that's how it's spelled. Okay, <laughs> how well, it's said what, is whatever this place is. So yeah, he's. Uh, He's from this time, and he was a Roman official, kind of going up to the ranks, and then eventually decided, I don't want to live in this. And so he kind of went off and lived separate from the world for a while, and um, and then eventually started kind of gathering people around him and um, started doing monasteries. So he's a, yeah, he's the founder of Western monasticism, which is very critical in terms of saving uh, Western culture or promoting Western culture, kind of keeping the ties to, um, you know, all the writings and all the scriptures and all the writings of the church fathers. A lot of them would have been copied in Benedictine monasteries at one time or another to, to kind of keep them going. Otherwise, a lot of these writings would have fallen by the wayside. We would not have like the the Office of Readings, which is part of the breviary. A lot of the writings go back way back and a lot of these things we wouldn't have otherwise. So these monks copied uh, these different books or whatever. Obviously the scriptures too, they, they made um, Bibles. But um, even just the idea of the culture, the Roman culture, uh, Western culture, they promoted it just by having these places of evangelization. They had these monasteries where they'd go out, promote the Christian message, the gospel, and really transformed much of Europe because of their presence in, in these little monasteries in different places. So, And also the, the Benedictine monasteries have been a place of reform in the church over the centuries. So um, there's lots of reasons why the Benedictine um, 
order has been so critical for the the uh, the church over the centuries. So yeah, yeah, and something that something that I thought was is very interesting about Benedict is because he lived in a time where it was kind of towards the the fall of Rome. I guess the fall of Rome probably already started at, like in his lifetime, mm-hmm. or maybe even bef- like before he was born. Yeah, I think it. I think it was t- taken over by the barbarians and somewhere somewhere in the neighborhood of like 450, but, and so it had kind of been fallen into ruin before that. But it was still kind of you know we're still here, we're still yeah. doing our thing, but just not as not to the heights that we once were. The population of Rome dwindled because of plague and different things, yeah. but still, even in the time of Benedict, it was kind of like Rome. It's a good place. It's lots of culture there, and yeah, yeah, and. And part of the reason that he decided to leave is because of the kind of how, uh, I think reading like how immoral the cult like Rome Decadence, was yeah. and how it kind of fallen, uh, just fallen into sin a lot. And so he was just like, I'm going to get out of here because this, mm-hmm. this is a very uh, bad environment to be in. Yeah. And um, I guess I don't want to compare um, Rome and the 400s to like our current day, but, but something kind of, sure. uh, kind of like that, you know, our, Similar, it's, it's yeah. a really, uh, I, people would say like, it's a really, really harsh environment right now, like in our culture and, mm-hmm. um, very, uh, divisive, especially right now with the election and everything going on. Mm-hmm. It's just a really like difficult time. And so trying to think about, uh, like how, how Benedict kind of reformed, the culture a little bit and brought like brought it back to Christ yeah. and thinking about like, well, you know, how, I guess looking into his life, how did he do that? And how, how can we do that in our own lives? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, it's very interesting to think as you're talking to us, just thinking about like this idea of the urban life versus the monastic life, you know, yeah. two very different realities and you can have monasteries in cities. I mean, Rome has many monasteries, but at the time, he would have been looking around and saying, gosh, I don't want to be a part of this culture right now, and I feel called to go out. And so you have the movement of the Desert Fathers, which is in the east, and then kind of the parallel in the west would have been the monastic orders, so Benedict um, leading people into, in a sense, into the desert, into the wilderness, away from places like Rome, Florence, Paris, places like this, that would have been large cities and going off into more remote places and, and saying, we're going to live apart, um, but not just apart, but in a way set apart so that we can preserve the goodness of uh, society and so forth. So, yeah, it's very interesting if you study that or look at that. There'd be a lot of parallels to our own time, I think. Yeah. And through his... Uh um, maybe even just like the intensity of how he li- of lived, and mm-hmm. I think uh, at most points in our life in in our cult, like it's countercultural to leave the culture and to go off into the wilderness and be a hermit. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like even today, uh, that's considered maybe weird. Yeah. Um, and it, when I was thinking about it and reading about it, it made me think of the G.K. Chesterton quote, which I've maybe I've said this a, a couple times, but I just think it's a really, really interesting quote that each generation is converted by the by the one who contradicts it most. Hmm. And so just thinking about how, like, that generation, like, St. Benedict was such a huge influence on converting that generation of uh, Europeans. 
because he he contradicted it most, you know, right. when it was a very immoral um, culture. He, you know, he was very like obedient to the rule mm-hmm. and um, very disciplined. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's sort of the, the, the hallmark of Benedictine life uh, at its origin. There are probably certain monasteries or whatever that have fallen away from it somewhat. But simple life, uh, work and prayer emphasized. Um, it was in the monasteries of the Benedictine order, order that probably the the Psalter, the the praying the breviary, um, really was strengthened and kind of uh, reiterated as a as a Christian practice. So the monks would gather uh, daily. Uh, seven times a day to pray the office and chant the office to sing it together, and so they saw that in praising God and worshiping God in praising uh, God through the Psalms and so forth, that we're we're redeeming the world in a sense. We're we're bringing holiness back into the world. So um, through this order of prayer, we're sanctifying the day, and then the rest of the day we're working or reading scripture. So they would have been. Um, helpful in developing the practice of Lexio Divina, which is a study of Scripture, the really a, a prayer method with Scripture. Um, they would have been helpful in, in developing um, a lot of the liturgical aspects of the church and kind of preserving uh, what came before and also kind of uh, developing further the, the practice of the, of the Mass and so forth. So, yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things that really stuck out to me when I was reading about him was how he, like, they instituted this, like, structure of prayer, work, and study. Mm-hmm. And so that was, like, the the like the three things that they did. They would do, like, basically, like, five hours of prayer a day and then, like, five hours of work and whether, I guess, whatever that would be. Uh, and then like a couple hours, like two, three hours of studying. Yeah. Uh, Do they ever have leisure time? Leisure? Yeah, yeah, I I'm, I believe so. I'm, I, I'm, I, it didn't talk about yeah. that, or at least the probably, article. Probably that, dependent that on, that the, I on the about. season and on the day and so forth. But yeah, I, w- I would imagine that's one of the things that's always surprised me when I've encountered monasticism in different places when I've gone to stay or visit at monasteries is, they do work, they do pray, but they also have leisure, or they also uh, take time to have fellowship with one another. And of course, it depends on the rule. Like, um, so the Order of Saint Benedict, probably, you know, kind of a baseline thing. But then you have like the Cistercians or the, um, you know, these other orders that are monastic, that uh, might be more strict or less strict, maybe more penitential, less penitential, et cetera, et cetera. But there's a certain order to the life, and the whole idea of it is to help us be sanctified. So that's that's what Saint Benedict was after: is I want to help people come to know Christ, and this is one way to do it is through the monastic life. So um, it's not just kind of like a randomly like, oh, I'm gonna do a little work here, a little prayer here, a little leisure here. It's all kind of order to like understanding how God created us and working in unison with that. So. Yeah, and I, I feel like it's ordered towards balance too, mm-hmm. because definitely uh, I think balance is something that I've continued to like think about just in my own life. Like, how do I actually just have like balance? I think uh, 
Like a lot of people talk about like work-life balance Mm -hmm. and uh, I could see, especially during like these COVID times where a lot of people are working from home, they're like, I can't tell when I start working and when I stop working, you know, because it's just now I, you know, (laughs) eat, sleep and work in the same place. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's just a really cool thing about uh, religious life and monasticism is just the structure and how like the structure is kind of intimidating sometimes because it's like, well, when do I get to like maybe not do what what the structure says, <laughs> what the structure says, <laughs> but the structure is built to to have a balanced life huh. and to uh, you will have leisure right now. Yeah, yeah, you will have fun <laughs> and you will like it. <laughs> Yeah, you will sleep right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's I guess that's always the challenge of communal living is how do we um how do we enter into the community life and yet not be overwhelmed by it or not kind of lose our our individual part of our who we are. And there's a balance like you say, uh, a surrender of it and um you probably talk to the sisters cuz they have an, they sort of have a rule of life that they follow. Um Diocesan priests, we really don't. I mean, we have prayer that we're supposed to do, um, but there's a lot of um, kind of flexibility in it because at the end of the day, our apostle is to serve the people of God in the parishes, and so whatever that asks us to do is comes first. Um, but religious orders, their primary thing is uh, to live the rule, in a sense, and to be faithful to that and uh, to pray the divine office, pray the mass, uh, do the do the work that's required all of that is living this ordered life to sanctify God and sanctify themselves and even the community that they are a part of in the in the universal church as a whole. So um, it's interesting because their priority is a little different than maybe mine or, or yours or any yeah. other people. So. Yeah, and that actually makes me think of uh, a couple of years ago, I went on a mission trip to Jamaica mm-hmm. and we, uh, there's just a, a group of guys that we went down over spring break and we served with the missionaries of the poor, which mm-hmm. is just a religious order in Kingston. And, uh, I mean, it's all, I guess all over the world. It's international, but, um, but there specifically, we were, uh, just working with these missionaries and they serve, I mean, the, the poorest of the poor people that, you know, they find on the streets in Kingston. And I was kind of surprised how, not like how little we did, but I I felt like okay we're gonna be you know sunrise to sundown we're just gonna be like slaving away slaving away working you know helping these people out and we'd go uh, I mean but I was like thinking about it, I was like we probably prayed just as much as we like worked like actually like physically worked and uh, I mean it was intense because we weren't used to that sort of you know mm-hmm. work but I don't know we'd start at like nine and then. Go until like I don't know like eleven thirty, and then we'd have you know lunch, do midday prayer, and then we're from like one to three, and then we'd go back to the monastery. You know, so this is like I feel like we should have done more today. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I think that's probably such a like an American thought sure. for those like brothers and the priests there because they're just like no, like we went and we did what we were supposed to do today. Mm-hmm. Now we're gonna do the most important part which is the prayer you know mm-hmm. and yeah. like living the life and i just yeah. i just thought that like that was something that really stuck out to me because i was like i feel like we should like should we be doing more like we only really worked like four and a half five hours today yeah yeah so that is funny different cultures have a different idea of 
putting what is putting in a good day's work, you know, and we probably are in America more focused on like we work longer, et cetera, et cetera. But it is interesting too. Like it's kind of a an eternal mindset of like the work will be there tomorrow. Like yeah, you know, it's by doing more today, we're not getting any further ahead because there's always going to be there's always going to be something to do, you know. So, and I've heard um, bishops or formators in the seminary t- say things like that, like, you know, there's there's always going to be more work to do. You got to take care of yourself. You got to do your prayer time. You got to make sure you're you're doing those baseline things, um, because at the end of the day, if you try to do everything today, there's just gonna always be another thing to do. So, um, there's some wisdom to that. I think it can go it can go overboard. Yeah. Like, well, I think I should sleep in today, and I don't think I'm gonna go to the office today because that that work will be there tomorrow. Like, no, I mean, you got to put your time in, but. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely a, a balanced idea, I would say. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess I want to touch a little bit on, uh, like, what do you think from your experience being a pastor and working with just prisoners in all different sorts of life? Uh, I don't know if you've read or heard of this book called uh, The Benedict Option. Mm. Yeah. I read it last year, I think. I have not read it, but I've heard of it. And the guy who wrote it, he he used to be Catholic, and then I think he became, like, Eastern Orthodox. I'm trying to remember, totally remember. Like, he converted to Catholicism from something. Mm-hmm. Maybe, like, a just non-denom. And then became Eastern Orthodox, I think, eventually. Sure. Uh, but he has this book, and... I, I mean, I, w- I guess I would recommend it, because I think he poses some interesting thoughts mm-hmm. i would say a lot of them are maybe extreme for like our time sure. but but he he kind of talks about like at what point do we have to do what benedict did which is you know leave the world to in, in a sense to like save the world mm-hmm. and uh yeah i just i thought it was kind of interesting and he, he he didn't i guess say like oh everybody like everyone who's christian has to like leave the world he's <laughs> it's kind of like i mean depends what you're called to do like saint benedict was called to to leave to leave that and god worked through that mm-hmm. but other saints have stayed in kind of in the culture and have transformed it so mm-hmm. just i think it um so i guess just kind of posing that question to you like what do you i guess what are your thoughts about um like when it's kind of uh like a, a rough culture out there or like at what point do you think people like stay in it or what point do you think people like need to like get out of it yeah. to a certain extent yeah. If that makes sense. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a fascinating uh, thing to think about. I think we are often drawn to extremes, right? So, I mean, they're all in. I'm going to just try to evangelize the culture from within. Um, I'm, I'm going to become part of the culture to, to transform it from within. Um, or uh, I'm going to totally reject everything from the culture and set up my own little subculture apart from... Yeah. Um, what I'm, I'm seeing here, and I I've seen tendencies towards that in in parishioners. Um, not to pick up particulars, but I think people will say, "Oh, the homeschool group, for instance." I mean, almost every parish seems to have uh, some group that's in, interested in that. They're like a subculture; they're rejecting the world. And I would say that's not always true. People choose homeschool for lots of reasons, but there can be a mindset of like. We're rejecting the world. We're going to start a sub 
parallel culture, Catholic culture, and we're to to be strong Catholics. We need to be apart from the world, and maybe, um, maybe I don't know. Uh, you know, there's there's lots of ways to to do this and approach it. Just as you said, that it's the Benedict option, right? So there's this is one option. Um, it's not going to work for everybody. Um, so you know, some people will say we we need to create within our parishes a sort of subculture like. We should have every everybody should be always involved in their parish. Everything they should do, their social life, their education, their whatever should all happen at the parish. Okay, is that possible every place? No, I don't think so. You know, we not every place has a Catholic school. Not every place has uh, the ability to to create that uh, that life. I think here in the city of Duluth, we certainly have the option of trying to create these little pockets of Catholicism, right, and helping people to get connected with one another. It's a large enough community in the city that there should be people that I can get to know and so forth. But sometimes there's a challenge for people like, I, I, I don't know other Catholics who are trying to live this way that I'm socially connected with. I go to a parish, but I don't really feel like I hang out with people that are Catholic outside of going to Mass. And so um, I, I, see, I sense sometimes this, this idea of like, I want to surround myself with Catholicism in a way that helps me raise my family well and and I, I think that's admirable. That's that's good, um, but sometimes I think we have to be a little bit practical and say like what's what's available, and understand that God never asks us to do something impossible. Like He will either give us the, the means to attain um, sanctity within the culture, or if He actually is indeed calling us to be apart from the culture, He'll allow a space to do that and the resources to do so. So, you know, I look at something like Mater Day, what they're trying to do. I think there's some aspect of that where they're they're trying to offer something alternative to the world. Our Catholic schools here in Duluth, um, the homeschool co-ops that have existed. I don't know if there's any particular ones right now. Um, these are efforts, I think, by people to try to take that step of saying, what can we do to uh, preserve Catholicism in our in our culture, in our families? Um, I think what they're doing on the east side right now with religious ed coming together um, to to do it together, I think there's there's a way of fostering a, a broader community there. What we're doing on the on the west side with with RCIA and the Catholicism series, I think that's another um, way to do that. So there, I think there's little ways we can do it as a as a parish, but we're not a monastery. We're not a religious order. Um, we don't have that same ability to just be totally separated from the world. I, I yeah. don't think that's our call typically as laymen and women is to be totally cut off from the world. So. Yeah, I guess if it were a call, then we'd join a monastery. Right, right. right. We'd, we'd be a Benedictine mon- monks or something, yeah. Or, yeah. or nuns. Um, good, yeah. I think, yeah, I I think that's a good answer. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> it, it's not a test, but I, uh, I think it's good. <laughs> uh, the last thing that I kind of want to touch on is the St. Benedict Medal, just be, because like, as we were talk, kind of talking about this before, it's just kind of interesting because not that it doesn't have anything to do with St. Benedict, it definitely does, but some of it's kind of, uh, it's just, it has a very interesting story and uh, place in the church right now and how it kind of connects to St. Benedict is a little mm-hmm. just interesting because the St. Benedict Medal or the St. Benedict Cross is like very well known for uh, like exorcisms and 
uh, just a lot of, uh, like spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas St. Benedict's not really known for that. Like in, like if you read about him, you won't really learn anything about spiritual warfare, warfare or exorcisms or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so I just think it's like, it's really interesting. Um, I guess he did have a very large devotion to, uh, just the cross. And so that is a little bit how like the same thing the cross came about. But I think it's interesting because there's a bunch of uh, inscriptions on the metal, uh, which looking into it, I'm just like, how did they get fit all this onto one little like metal? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not sure if you, if you like looked into this and read it, do do, do you have one on? Uh, I I have a crucifix that's got one behind it. Okay. But it's kind of worn, so I don't know if I can even read it. Yeah, there's a lot of writing, isn't there? Yeah. And so uh, I guess I just want to like read a little bit of it because I think it, it's really cool. Uh, on one, so above the cross, there's the word Pax, which is uh, peace. Is that just, is that Italian then? Uh, that'd be Latin. Or Latin? Okay. I actually, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and, and that has been the Benedictine motto, I guess, for a long time has just been peace. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, on uh, the back, there's letters that kind of go around uh, just the edge of the circle of the metal, mm-hmm. and each letter is a uh, the first the first letter in excuse me uh, first letter in a word, which is a Latin phrase, and it's I guess like a Latin prayer of exorcism. Mm. So, and it it says. Be gone, Satan. Never attempt me with your vanities. What you offer me is evil. Drink the poison yourself. Hmm. Which it's, I, and that's, that was, it's interesting. I think there were a number of times when people tried to poison Benedict for different reasons. Yeah, and yeah. so that's part of where that comes from, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. there's some yeah, there's some stories of... Like a cup or something that was poisoned and he like blessed it and then it shattered or something like that. Yeah. Or a raven that came and took something yeah uh, it was like poison bread or something like yeah, that and a raven yeah. came and took it yeah so i think the very fact that he's a monastic person there is some sense and this is more overt i would say in the east where you go out to the desert to battle the demons and in some sense benedict was doing that when he went out and and started the monasteries we're we're no longer called to be martyrs because this is Christianity is now legal and so forth, but we are still called to to fight against the evil one, the devil. And so the monastic life, in a sense, says, I'm going to go out into the desert, whether it's a literal desert or more of a sort of um, idea of the desert, um, and I'm going out there to encounter Christ and also fight the demons or fight, fight against my own inner demons. So monasticism is a lot of it is turning within yourself, recognizing the parts of Christ and trying to bring those forward and foster that relationship with Christ and also pick out the parts of you that are maybe more drawn to sin or to vice and trying to fight against those things. So this idea of exorcism or fighting the the evil one, the devil, is really, I would say, kind of dovetails with the monastic life as a whole, Um, particularly for the, the male orders. I don't know the Benedictine order, you know, I don't, it'd be interesting to see like, when did they start making those medals? 
Um, so Benedict himself was known to be a very holy man, a man that formed many monks and helped them uh, to come to Christ, and one who seemed to have some kind of ability to, um, to understand souls, whether or not he could read souls or not is, is a question, but um, you know, a monk would come to him and, and uh, say something, and he would know, like, oh, you held back something, or you, you, or else they wouldn't say something, and he'd he'd know about something that they were, you know, some sin or something that they were withholding or whatever. So he sort of had that ability to kind of speak truth in moments of temptation or moments of uh, maybe deception or whatever. And I think so. That's probably why what where his sort of exercising mentality comes from is, is from these um, just his ability to to speak into these untruths that sometimes we fall into as, as human beings and he would see in the monks and again people joined the monastery not because they were holy already but because they were trying to become holy or get close to Christ and so the monasteries were a place where people came to join the monastery but also a place where people would come for counsel or or spiritual direction, for lack of a better word, or looking for a confessor, or coming for mass, or whatever. So lots of lay people were coming to the monasteries too, from time to time, and it wasn't just the monks or the nuns who were in these um, places. So, um, yeah. But it, at the end of the day, the the medal I think has been given some kind of exercising authority, power. Um, like these are blessed medals. You have to say a certain prayer to bless it, and um, the devil is afraid of it, not because of the metal itself in, in, in so much as it's made out of metal, but because of the blessing that resides on that metal when it's blessed and because of what it re- represents, which is a holy soul, Benedict, who ha- had no fear of the devil because he was so uh, aware of his own connection to Christ and had fought against his own temptations, his own uh, human failings in such a way that he was more united to Christ. And so because of that, and all of us, it's possible that when we unite ourselves more to Christ, the devil flees that. He doesn't like that. So, um, yeah, but it is interesting, like, how how come the, the St. Benedict medal is the medal and not somebody else? Yeah, St. Francis or St. Dominic or whoever, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, so uh, I think, yeah, that's just a cool kind of piece that I had never really known before. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that when it came to yeah. Benedict. It'd and be definitely interesting to study the medal more in depth because you know, there's definitely a lot there that I don't even understand even though I've worn it for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And I was going on uh, the just the order of stbenedict.org, osb.org, and it it was kind of explaining like all of it and I didn't I didn't realize how much <laughs> they packed yeah. on to just yeah. like a little a yeah. little medal. Yeah. So uh yeah, it's definitely really cool. I would recommend going and uh, looking into it more. And and something too, and uh, this is another, you know, podcast for someday, but just talking about like medals and mm. um, like why why we wear them and how they can actually help us or um, just any sort of sacramentals, sacramentals in that yeah. and, and to, to, to that sense. Uh, but something of, especially, you know, if you're um, really struggling with some, some sin or, uh, I, you know, it's just, it's just like a, something good a good de- like devotional practice to have mm-hmm. also you know yeah. uh not necessary but good to have kind of like what we were talking about, talking about yeah what's la- helpful well last week like yeah th- this this could be helpful yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um 
Great. Well, uh, thank you, Father, for um, you know, helping us learn about St. Benedict and uh, maybe something to reflect on of, you know, how can we uh, just choose holiness in uh, in our life and with everything going on in the world. And uh, yeah, thank you everybody for, for listening and we will talk to you again next week.